BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome to Raising Good Humans. I'm Dr. Eliza Pressman, and today is a bonus episode with listener questions and answers. These questions are primarily focused on the tween teen age group, but hopefully there'll be some information for all. The questions center around eating, eating disorders, curfews, praising kids for their looks, watching very popular violent TV shows and setting boundaries that are both comfortable for you, but also honor the fact that your child is getting a little bit older and needs a little bit more freedom. If you enjoy this episode, please don't hesitate to subscribe, rate and write a little review. And of course, keep DMing me. These are great questions and it's a wonderful way for me to be able to keep in touch with you. I'm on Instagram at Raising Good Humans Podcast. So, The first question is, what are the early signs of an eating disorder and how can I talk about it with my child? So eating disorders are so top of mind, especially post-pandemic life, because a lot of kids have gotten into interesting habits to help them feel more in control of their very out of control world. And also because a lot of kids went through puberty during the pandemic and had to experience changes in their body without really understanding how to normalize that. And because these are prevalent issues all the time for kids. And in fact, it starts to be pretty serious, though a treatable mental and physical illness. And it's characterized by disturbances in behaviors, thoughts, and attitudes, not just toward food, but toward body size, weight, shape, and a fixation on looks. So some of the more common types of eating disorders that most of us kind of know about are anorexia nervosa, bulimia nervosa. There's also binge eating disorders. There's restrictive food intake disorders. And really understanding that eating disorders are complex. And there's also stuff that kind of goes beyond the more recognizable eating disorders. They may not meet diagnostic criteria, but they should be taken seriously because they may be warning signs that there are unhealthy behaviors and thoughts regarding the areas of food, body weight, shape. And you just want to check in and help kids set themselves up for healthier habits. The earlier you start 
thinking about it, talking about it, modeling it, the better. But of course, if you find yourself in a situation where you're already wondering or suspecting, then it's time to take action. And one thing to keep in mind is eating disorders are also something that if the grown-up in your life is struggling with or has previously struggled with, your lens may be different because you remember the struggles that you had or you haven't come to terms with them and you're still struggling. And so that's something that will be incredibly beneficial to your kids. If you know that you kind of are on the fence with an eating disorder or are constantly fixated on not only your own body, weight, size, eating, but your child's, that's also a sign to get help yourself so that you can be better armed to be healthy and model healthy habits. There's also, of course, you know, the reason why this is such a big issue is it's not just mental, but there's also physical threats. And so you really want to detect and intervene early. So this will be a deeper discussion we can get into on one of the longer specialized episodes. And in the meantime, here are different signs and symptoms. Keep in mind that it's going to depend, of course, on the individual. But I'm going to go through some behavioral symptoms, some physical symptoms, and some psychological symptoms. And I will put a link in the show notes because there's a lot of resources that you can go to, among them, the Mount Sinai Center of Excellence in Eating and Weight Disorders is a great resource. And I will, again, put them in the show notes. So some behavioral symptoms, you might notice unusual behaviors around food. So strange cutting of food, hiding food, shoveling food under other foods, you know, like peas under mashed potatoes, arranging food into specific orders, eating food in specific orders. If you notice new food practices where there's, you know, a restriction on an entire food group, a new diet, anything that's sort of only healthy, only like one type of way of thinking or eating, kids shouldn't really be at that level of like thinking in terms of diet and anything that's restrictive. And if they are, again, check in because... That's just a sign of the kind of attitude that can lead into eating disorders. The more obvious stuff, eating very small portions or food refusal, and that is something that should not turn into a battle. Remember, when you're fighting about something that is going into your child's body or not going into their body, that's the only thing they can control, what goes in their body and what comes out. And really what comes out is not totally in their control because they'll have natural bodily functions. But those are not things that you can ever control. And the more you try to control it, the more they may cling to the control. Another thing is if they don't eat in front of other people or you're noticing sneaking eating, sometimes you notice signs because kids are feeding other people, really enjoying other people's eating habits, living vicariously through them by baking and cooking and not eating what they've made, but really loving to feed it. If you notice food missing around the house, you bought something and it, there's 12 portions and all 12 are gone by the next day, that's um, often a sign of binge eating, hoarding food, any suggestion of vomiting or going to the bathroom after a meal is a red flag. 
on I, not to get too graphic, but looking at, you know, if you're cleaning a toilet bowl, there are often signs that you may not have otherwise noticed. If you notice compulsive or excessive exercising or eating something and then saying, I better go work out now, you know, it's a fine balance between healthy lifestyle. We want to be active. We want to take family walks after dinner and be active and healthy and move our bodies. That's different than punishing yourself with exercise because you ate too much. If you notice that your child is suddenly wearing really baggy clothes, now this is tricky because, you know, a tween teen look, I mean, some of us associate that age group with wearing really skimpy clothes, but it's also very in to wear baggy sweatshirts and sweatpants. You want to make sure that it's in keeping with fashion and that's fine. But if it's something that it's a real covering and discomfort, that's something to notice. If they're weighing themselves a lot, hide your scales because they're not going to buy a scale themselves probably. And if you have a scale in your house because it's something that you like to use, just keep that in mind. They're going to watch and notice. And it may be that you got to move the scales and really prioritize how you feel and how your clothes fit and not think about the scale. If they're always looking in the mirror, now, of course, again, teens look in the mirror a lot. So you just want to have that balance between fixation and typical. Finally, in terms of behavior, if you notice that they want to avoid really fun social situations because they are calculating what amount of food they'll have to have or not have, or they're worried about their eating behaviors and not having control, that is a sign of an eating disorder. If any of these signs or behaviors that you exhibit, again, it's a wonderful time to transform wiring that has been problematic in your life when you have kids because it motivates you because you're not just doing it for yourself, you're doing it for your kids. So there's also physical symptoms that are pretty typical of eating disorders, fluctuations in weight up and down, sleep problems, again, extremes of no sleep or too much sleep menstrual irregularities. But again, that's tricky because menstrual cycles are often irregular when you start menstruating. If your child has a lot of gastrointestinal complaints and gas, et cetera, sometimes that is a sign. Your dentist will let you know that severely damaged teeth, discoloration, cavities may be a sign. Look at your kid's skin and nails and their hair thinning hair on the head and more hair on the body is often a sign of some of the physical symptoms. You also want to check if you are suspicious at all of bulimic behaviors. You want to check fingers and knuckles and hands because of what happens when you induce vomiting. And also just notice, are they feeling dizzy? Do they feel faint? Do they seem weak? Do they seem tired? Are they cold all the time? These are all physical signs. And then of course, importantly, the psychological symptoms, which are so prevalent in society, it's almost impossible to have a completely healthy relationship with food and body at this point, the way we're inundated. But if you notice that they have a negative or distorted self-image, if they have body insecurity, parts of their body that they're misjudging or judging at all, if they're just preoccupied and they're just constantly talking, staring, looking, thinking about bodies, 
if they're constantly looking, staring, talking about food, if you notice that there is some association with like how bad they behaved by eating too much, again, it's part of our society when people eat too much. There's somebody who might say, you know, you better watch out. You might get fat. You really want to mark those moments and hope they aren't coming from anybody in their primary household. So if mom or dad are saying something like that, check yourself because you don't want your kids to think of food with that level of judgment and feelings of guilt after a meal should not be coming externally. I mean, they certainly, we don't want them to be coming from inside your child, but we definitely don't need to impose that and lay those habits out. If they have really intense routines and they do not like the distress of interrupted routines, that is also a psychological sign. And of course, eating disorders are often comorbid with depression, anxiety, mood swings, and self-harm. Those are really important things to notice and get help immediately. Eating disorders can be a slow burn. And so if you catch symptoms early, you can really help your emerging adolescent or even younger kid, unfortunately, have a more healthy growth and development. Now we're going to take a quick break so I can tell you about my sponsor. Artifact Uprising makes premium photo books, framed photos, and gifts to help you tell the stories that you care about most. And they just launched their new product, the Story of You Early Years book, that helps you document your child's best moments from ages one to five. It contains unique interactive elements and guided prompts that make working on this book such a fun activity that you and your child can do together. A high quality book that has thick writing friendly pages made from eco-conscious paper and a foil stamped linen cover that comes in seven colors. And it comes with a free set of photo prints for you to add to the book. The early years book makes a great gift for moms as they experience their babies growing into little people with their own distinct personalities. And how cool to be able to do it with your child. It's so fun for them. And for a limited time, our listeners can get 15% off your Artifact Uprising order with the code RaisingGoodHumans15. Go to artifactuprising.com slash RaisingGoodHumans to purchase. I mean, this book is divided into chapters, one for each of the years, one through five. It's such a wonderful thing to have. I wish I had done that for my little girls when they were really little girls because it's so fun to look back. But even though I couldn't do it for my kids, I can do it for my friends' kids. So again, for a limited time, our listeners can get 15% off your Artifact Uprising order with the code RaisingGoodHumans15. A separate question that is somewhat related, though I don't want it to be confused, but I got a question saying that I've heard I'm not supposed to tell my daughter she's beautiful. I always want to tell her she's beautiful and I just want to understand why I shouldn't. So the reason that I'm bringing that up now is not to associate it with eating disorders because it's separate, but it is sort of in the same vein, our society and culture really values body, beauty. It's inevitable. It's all over the place. You have to really be living under a rock if it's not. So ideally, if you want your kids to believe in their value, 
separate from how they look because the world is against you, right? The world's always going to make this harder. If their primary people don't express their value in something they can't control, like how beautiful they are, that's genetics. I mean, you can compliment that they brush their hair and you like how it looks when they brush their hair or put a nice outfit together. But if you're valuing them for their beauty, you're basically saying how you look, which is just what you came out looking like, is so important to me. And therefore, it should be important to you. And if that changes, I will value you less. So that's one reason. And the reason why that's dangerous in some cases is because if, for example, a child is getting praised for a beautiful body and that body changes, they might try to control those changes with restrictive eating or, you know, some of the things that I talked about with eating disorders. There's another issue with just telling your child that they're beautiful. And again, I mean, I say it all the time. I, I do it accidentally. I do it on purpose sometimes. Like it's it's natural. These are our babies. We love them. They're beautiful. They're perfect creatures in our mind, no matter what. So it's not to say you shouldn't think that your child is beautiful or your teenager is just a stunning human. It's that when we praise, we are letting people know our values. And when we let them know that our values are related to how they look, it's a big statement. You better really commit to that. So if you want your kids to think that you value beauty, by all means, tell them they're beautiful. But remember, if you value them for how they look, they will value them for how they look. If you talk constantly about how other people look, even if you aren't saying it to them, there's still a message out there that that is your primary focus. So paying attention to praising for things that are both in people's control and like something they're working at, something they work hard at, something that requires their own personal contribution to it versus something that they were just genetically endowed with is going to be important. And also just like, what are your family values? What are the things you praise that represent those family values? Is it hard work? Is it kindness? Is it beauty? So keep that in mind. And the other two things I would say, one, we want to treat our bodies, our looks as instruments, not objects. And when you make statements about how beautiful a body or a face is, it's objectifying versus how it works. And lastly, there's not really much you can do if you're valued for something that will inevitably go away whether it's 30 years from now, 50 years from now, or imminently because of how you've developed. So if the world isn't telling you how beautiful you are, or you're starting to question the authenticity of what your parents have said, it can feel even worse than if you just, you're not commenting on looks. You're just, that's not what you're doing. So you're not feeding that beast that is inevitable in society for both girls and boys even though, of course, this is a highly prevalent in girls. And lastly, when you talk about yourself or your partner and you're complimenting them, see if you can praise for things, again, that you want to be valued, not that are just objectifying comments. Not that it doesn't feel good, but just because 
it's a confusing message for kids. So let's say that. And finally, finally, I'm not saying that you've done something bad if you've praised your kids. There's tons of research that helps us understand sort of internal motivation versus external motivation. And praise kind of plays into that. And so you're going to do it, of course. It's just being conscious of the fact that it is more meaningful and important to praise for things your kids can control and that represent your values. And if you think that it's boosting self-esteem, it is no favor to kids to be told every day they're gorgeous, gorgeous, beautiful. If you say anything, it should be, you know, it's about to you because of who they are. And of course you see beauty in them. And of course they're beautiful. There's no question. It's just not your value because you're never boosting self-esteem by just telling someone how amazing they are. Remember, confidence comes from competence, not compliments. Okay. So more teen questions. Now I'm getting into a couple of other issues, curfews and then uh, violent TV shows. So how do I set an appropriate curfew that my teen will honor? Okay. So this is not evidence-based so much as experience-based. And from different client experiences, I would say you of course, you're going to have individual comfort with your curfew. And it's hard to decide globally what is an appropriate curfew by age. You know, in ninth grade, it's this, in 10th, it's this and so forth. But what you can do is say, what works for me? When will my eyes still be open? If you fall asleep at 11 p.m., your child needs to be home by 11 p.m. If you fall asleep at 1 a.m., your child needs to be home at 1 a.m. You never want to go to sleep so that your kid comes home knowing you're asleep and they just check in with you to let you know they're home, but they didn't have to look into your eyes, have a conversation and know that there is a grown up waiting for them or hopefully picking them up. Ideally, they look into your eyes when they leave a party. They have this person who they know cares about them and is checking in and they're not going to hear about it the next day. So know yourself. If you go to bed at 10, you tell them, listen, I need to be awake when you come home or I need to be picking you up. So it's going to be a little earlier. And of course, there are going to be exceptions, but that's a really good way to figure out an appropriate curfew. I got a bunch of questions really related to one particular TV show that's really popular right now, but it's kind of true in general. The question is, all of my teen's friends are watching violent TV that I have banned. My teen says they are constantly left out and I don't know if I should bend. So there's so much popular dystopian violent stuff. What you want to do is, of course, if it's going to hurt your kids to watch it, that's not a good idea. But in general, if your teenagers are watching, you know, squid games and you don't let them, but all their friends are, they're going to watch it at their houses. They're going to have access to it. A better solution would be to say to them, I am a little nervous about this, but we can try it. Let's watch it together. And then when they see that you're bonding and connecting and doing something that isn't your style, but you really want to understand what they like, it's going to get you guys closer and they get to feel like they're participating in society a little bit more. We can feel like we want to control everything that they're watching and doing, but we can't, especially as kids get older and they have access to their peers' social media, their peers' TV, their peers' Netflix, all of those things. So instead, I really encourage you to 
bend a little on things that you can so that you're not overly controlling and unrealistic. And then when you are controlling, it means so much more because you're saying, look, this one I'm going to stick by because it just feels really unsafe for you. And it's my job to make good choices when you can't. But when it comes to periodic violent shows, if you aren't seeing violent behavior coming out of that, which I highly doubt you will, since we know that that's not linked unless it's all day, every day, and they're totally desensitized, but that's not what this is, then you're better off connecting over things that make you uncomfortable, but are allowing your teens to show you what they like. 